Good morning. Oh, it's so good to be back. Um, my heart is filled with praise this morning. I love this house. I love this people. I do. Can, can we just praise the Lord one more time right now? Lord, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Father, we're so grateful this morning. We're a grateful people. We thank you. We praise you. We never want to forget that you're our Father. How, how glorious, how wonderful that we are lost and undone, and you found us and placed us in your kingdom, and we're at work in your kingdom, and we're furthering your kingdom, and we thank you. We praise you. We don't forget that all of this, all of anything we're all doing is because of you first, and we're grateful to you that you sent us your son Jesus, that he was so wonderful to come to this earth and shrink himself down into a little human package that would go to the cross and get us back to you. And we'll forever be grateful. We magnify you above everything in this world. You are the one and only God. You are God alone. And we honor and praise and worship you today. Before we do anything else, we want to let you know you're our number one. <laughs> You fly solo, Lord, when it comes to glory. And we won't ever forget that, that you're in us, you're with us, you're empowering us, and we thank you that we're entering the greatest days of the church, and we're, we're being prepared, and, and in, we're investing, but we know there's a great harvest coming, and we want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of this great harvest. And I give you glory for it, Lord, as we prepare ourselves today and every day for your glorious return. But in the meantime, we're going to get as many people to you as we possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. We are honored to be back with you guys. It's been a while. Uh, Dear friends, Richard and Nancy Salazar. Wow, we've known you guys, hard to believe, for 25 years. Uh, uh, you know, my son came here when he was about to get married to buy his engagement ring because he heard, in fact, Pastor Richard told me he could save a lot of money if we went to the Diamond District, right? So he did, and uh, he bought Sarah their engagement ring, and that's been 19 years ago. Wow. And... Uh, she lost it not too long ago, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, what a time, huh? What a time. I, I want to talk from my heart this morning, if that would be okay. Uh, you know, the name of this church is New Harvest. Harvest. The Bible talks about how that the Lord is waiting. The Lord is waiting and delaying his coming. Did you know that? He's coming back. Jesus came the first time. But he's coming back. But he's delaying that. Why? For the precious harvest of the earth. And the harvest of the earth is not money. It's not, it's not grain. It's people. Because God loves people. And, and I know, you know, we, we, sometimes we can get focused on, 
uh, our existence on the earth and the needs that we have. And, and, and God cares about all of that. Don't misunderstand me. The things we go through, because we all go through things. If you haven't gone through anything yet, just wait. You will. Because things happen, right? But I want to focus you on something higher this morning. And that is our true purpose. The purpose of us being here on the earth. Because I'm sure there are many people in, the, in this room this morning that you got born again and saved at some time in life. Is that right? Raise your hand if that's you. You got saved. And that's wonderful. But you have a purpose for being here on the earth right now. See, when God saved you, you became a Christian but also a citizen of heaven. The fact of the matter is you really don't belong here anymore. He could have zapped you to heaven right away. I mean, he could have done that. There's coming a day he's going to zap people to heaven, called the rapture of the church. But he didn't do that. He chose you to be here right now because you have a purpose, and it's bigger than existence. Your purpose is to be a part of his plan. I was in, uh, Trudy and I were in Zimbabwe, of all places, in Africa in 2014. And we got, it's a long story of how we got there because our calling is not really that of a missionary, although we've traveled to different parts of the world at times. Our, our calling primarily has been in the United States to, to go to churches and, and talk about the importance of your family and, and, and connecting your family and working on your marriage and training your kids, and, which is very, very important. But we were in Africa, and we were in a church that, with a, a man that's really an apostle that had started this church. He was an American from Colorado, and he had gone there years ago when Zimbabwe was Rhodesia, and they were in the middle of a great civil war, and God called him there, and he started a church, and it, God blessed it, and he's very apostolic, had churches all over Africa, but I didn't know him, and he really didn't know me that well, but somehow we got there through some, a lot of connections, and, and uh, but anyway, I was teaching a class with his staff on the first morning I was there. We were there four days, and I preached 14 times, 14. Because when you, whenever you go on a mission field, you, they, they, want to, they want you to preach all the time. <laughs> and we preached to anything that moved. We preached to grasshoppers. I mean, we preached, you know. And, uh, but that morning, I was talking to the staff. There's about 200 people on his staff. And I was talking about, and I got into some things about my calling and what, what Trudy and I were doing and, and then what was coming on the earth that I believed that there's coming a time when, when God's going to move greatly. And I said a few things about that. And as I'm talking, the pastor's on the front row. And uh, he's on his phone, you know, just typing. And so I, I don't know him. And, and I'm thinking, well, he's probably he's a busy man. He's probably texting people and, and dealing with business. And, and I got done, and he came up, and he was really, it wasn't like, uh, he, he got prophetic, but it wasn't like fiery. It was very calm, but he said, uh, while you were preaching, the Lord began to download some things to me, and I just want to read these things to you, and he began to, to read some of these things, and some of them pertain to us and our ministry and what we were about to do and for the future, that our calling, but then he began to talk about the, the end times and what God's going to do, and I want to read just a, a portion of this if I, I could. Uh, just to quote him. He said, first of all, there is a move of the Holy Spirit that's going to come on the earth. You see, the world is in decline, and you see everything happening around you, and you think it cannot get worse, but I tell you, it's going to only get a lot worse. That's 2014. We're 2022. It's a different world from 2014. Have you noticed that? 
I've seen two moves of, of the Spirit of God in my lifetime. This man is about my age, which I'm 71. He's about my age that time. That was 14 years ago. He said, number one is the Jesus movement of the, seven, of the 60s and 70s. Anybody remember the Jesus movement? Three of us. Okay. <laughs> and then the charismatic renewal movement of the church in America. Anybody remember the charismatic renewal? Okay, not too many raised your hands, so let me tell you about this. Back in the 60s, I'm a child of the 60s. I grew up during the, 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 those days of great turmoil in America. We had the Vietnam War, and, and there was a lot of rebellion that took place. And, I mean, the late 60s, I graduated in 1969, and the, and, and the country was, a, was boiling. And there was riots, and there were protests, and, and war protests, and and young people like me, uh, the, the hippie movement was going on. Anybody ever heard of hippies? They were, you know, I was, corn, I, I was sort of a hippie. Uh, Full-fledged hippies, you know, they, they grew their hair out. They didn't take baths. They lived in communes. Well, I grew my hair out, but I didn't, I, I like to take a good shower every day. And I wasn't much on living with other people, so I didn't go all the way. But this is a crazy time and a lot of turmoil. But there was a move of God to counteract what was going on. Because God moves. There's been many moves of God. The, the charismatic movement was a time when people in denominational churches, even Roman Catholics, were getting not only saved but filled with the Holy Spirit. The Jesus movement. In fact, there was a lot of, uh, uh, of the heart of this was in Southern California. Whenever all these young people like me uh, began to come into churches and get saved, and, and, and God began to come into our lives. That's what happened to Trudy and I. We got uh, saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in 1971. And God was moving in young people. And, uh, uh, and there was a great, it even made the headlines in, in Life magazine. I, I remember uh, headlines about the Jesus movement. And God moved. And that's what he's talking about here. He said, there have been minor moves of the Holy Spirit also, but these were the big moves of the Holy Spirit. But this move of the Holy Spirit that is coming will eclipse those other moves. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It will not be like the moves of the past in the sense of style, but it will be like the past in the sense of content. And then he quotes the scripture, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard, and God is about to raise a standard. Do you believe that? God is about to raise a standard. There have been great awakenings even centuries past when darkness would come on the earth, but the Spirit of God would move. Great awakenings. Uh, there was a, a great revival at the turn of the 20th century in Southern California on Azusa Street when uh, William Seymour triggered a revival and the great move of the Holy Spirit started out here. God's moved in California before. God's going to move in California again. I believe there will be one more great move of God. Now, I want to back this up with some scripture, if I can. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If you guys have that in my notes, go ahead and put that up. Ecclesiastes 1, 9 says, That which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. So God is saying, in essence, I believe what he's saying here, is history is going to repeat itself. History is going to repeat itself. History is like a circle, if you will. 
You know, a circle starts at this point here, and then we go around, and we go around, and we go around, but we come back to where we began. And that's the way God moves. He moves in circles. God is saying history is going to repeat itself in this scripture. Uh, Winston Churchill said this in World War II, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We know that's true in the negative, but what about the positive? If there's been good history before, will good history happen again? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. And God says this, Remember what I accomplished in antiquity. I'm reading from the NET version of the Bible. Truly, I am God. I have no peer. I am God, and there is none like me who announces the end from the beginning and reveals beforehand what has not yet occurred, who says, my plan will be realized. I will accomplish what I desire. God will accomplish what he started. He will finish, and nothing will stop him. You need to clap louder. Nothing will stop our God. His plan will be accomplished. And he tells us about the plan of God. Do you know a quarter, a fully one-fourth of the Bible, one word of every four words is prophetic. It's about prophecy. God wants his people to know the future. And he's always foretold the future even uh, in the very beginning. Think about this. Jesus is called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the world even had, was begun, when God spoke into the world and existence happened and, and God created this earth and all, all the landscape but then, and then all the plants and all the animals in it and then finally people. Before all that happened, God knew that there was going to have to be a redeemer, a lamb that would come to bear the sin of mankind. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that. You can't surprise God. As soon as Adam sinned in the garden, God prophesied that the seed of woman would bruise the head of the serpent. Think about that. That's, when, when Adam and Eve fell, God prophesied that, that, that he was coming to take care of that. We, know, we need to know the future so we can know what to expect and what to set our faith on. I want to talk about some prophetic things today. Jesus wants us to know. We can't know every little detail, but he wants us, his church, to be aware of what's coming, Right? It says this in John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. I want to talk about some future things that are coming. I believe those future things are defined by what happened in the past. God wants us to know his will. From the beginning, this is how God declares things will end. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says this. The end of a thing, oh, I like this one. You ready for this one? <laughs> this is good. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. Let me say it again. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. So could it be, two questions, could the way the church began be repeated at the end? And if that be true, could it be even better than when he began in the, in the very beginning? Maybe so. Let's talk about this for a minute. Let's go back and take a look at how the church began. If you're, if you're following me in your Bible, go back to Acts chapter 1. The church began in Acts chapter 1. Now think about this. Jesus has died on the cross, but he came back from the dead. But he hung out for a while. 
For 40 days, Jesus would show up from time to time. Wouldn't that be so cool? I mean, Jesus would just walk through a wall and show up with his disciples and just say, hey, guys, I mean, can you imagine how cool that would be? Jesus had a, a body, glorified body, that could pass through walls. One of these days, I believe, we're not sure what that's going to look like, but I believe we're going we're to be like him. So are we going to get a body that's going to be able to go through walls and do stuff like that? I can't wait to do that. Won't that be cool? I'm going through that wall right there, and just, bam, here I am. Hey. But Jesus shows up for 40 days, and then it's time for him to go after 40 days. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, he tells his disciples, I'm going to have to leave. But John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days hence. So wait for the promise that I'm telling you about. Wait, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise comes. And then they watched him go up through the clouds into the air, into heaven. So here are the disciples, and they obey God. And they go to this place called the upper room. And they're waiting. And it's been 10 days. And the scripture says this. In fact, let's read about it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were praying. How many know that prayer is the place we meet God and his plan comes into fulfillment for us? We got to be praying people in the last days. I believe that. You believe that? God is looking for people that will seek him and connect with him in prayer in the end times. The first manifestation of the church was a church of, number one, a church of power. God wants power for this end times church. So they're meeting in verse 2. They're praying, and the scripture says, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. God can move quickly. Say suddenly again. And suddenly there came, two things happened. A sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. I mean, these guys are praying, and all of a sudden inside the, the building, the upper room, wind starts blowing. I think that's a picture of something. I believe when God, or we can read about when God created Adam, that he took dirt, the dust of the ground, formed this man, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of God came into that dirt and created a man, and that man began to <gasps> breathe, right? Because breathing means you're alive. Breathing is something you've got to do a lot of. You notice that? You know, you can live... A few days without food, I don't like to wait very long, but you can, and you can, you know, you'll survive. You can live less time without water. You need water in your body. You can live a couple of days without it, but you need, you need, because, you know, a lot of your body's water. But you can't live very long without breath. I mean, you've breathed several times since I've been starting this statement, because breathing declares you're alive. When your breath is gone, you're gone, Right? you got to breathe. Well, the breath of God that was breathed into Adam, I believe, that breath, that supernatural breath, left him when, he, when him and Eve disobeyed God that day. They, they continued to breathe in the natural, but the spiritual breath of God, I believe, ceased because the Bible said they died on the inside. But on the day of Pentecost, the wind of God began to blow again. The breath of God was released into that room. And people began to receive God again for the first time that they could because of what Jesus had done. Because Jesus opens the door for us to be made alive unto him, unto God in Jesus' name. And the breath began to, to flow again. 
And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Fire came. We're not sure exactly what that looked like. I don't know if it was fire on their head. I've seen pictures of that. I've seen pictures of, of people have a little, look like a cigarette lighter on their head. You've seen those pictures? They fill the whole, I'm not so sure it looked like that. It's probably glorious. Probably a big light. I don't know, but the, the fire of God. Fire is a purifying thing. Fire purifies, which means you can, through Jesus Christ, when you receive the breath of God, you can receive the fire to purify your past. In other words, you can get past the things that try to keep you down in life. You can put those behind you. You can be healed. You can renew your mind. You can be a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So the life came, the fire came, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 4, and began to speak with other tongues. They got a brand new language, and God moved in power. Hallelujah. The Scripture goes on to say, verse 43, that fear came upon all of them, and signs and wonders, miracles flowed from the hands of the apostles beginning that day. And the power of God marked the church. God wants His church to be full of power, supernatural power. I believe we're going to see that again in the end times. People getting healed. The power of God coming in to transform people's lives. We have transforming power available to us. So that was the first sign. What a beginning. And then number two, the next thing that God talks about is this outpouring was generational. In other words, it's, it's for every age group. So here's what's happened. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. People are praying in these languages, and there's a lot of confusion. And people are going, what is, what is this all about? They're hearing people pray in a language that they don't understand, and they're saying, these guys are emotional, and what's going on? Are they drunk? And somebody says, no, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. So there's a lot of confusion about the move of God. So Peter was anointed by God, the apostle Peter, to stand up and preach the first gospel message. God anointed him to do so. And he took his text from the book of Joel. And here's what he began to say, verse 15. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out of my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. What is God telling us here? I believe God's telling us here that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for every age group. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, God wants to pour His Spirit out on you. God wants to anoint people no matter their age. This is talking about God merging the three generations to do a great work. We need every generation. It talks about how that uh, first of all, it'll be men and women alike. These are men and women with a servant attitude. So the first thing we need to understand, if we're going to flow in the power of God and the, in the Holy Spirit, then we need to have a servant attitude. We need to have a servant attitude. It's not about you being some big deal. It's about us serving one another, right? And then it mentions these three age groups, the young men, the old men, and the sons and daughters. That's pretty much the entire age that the church can be. You got older people, and then you got younger people, and then you got the kids. And God says, I want to pour my spirit out on all of them. We need young men. 
We need young men to see visions. This term vision means to have a revelation. And I believe in what I see is God is raising up new generations of leaders with ideas that relate to the new generation. We need young men with new ideas. Amen. I tell you what, I'm involved. Trudy and I are involved in my son's church now, as Pastor Richard talked about. And I got to tell you, we're some of the oldest dudes there. And it's just funny. It's a, you know, you may think you're young and, and you're just going to be young forever, but it doesn't happen that way. It was only a couple of days ago I was looked at as a young man. When I first began, I was, I was one of the young guys in the groups that I ran around with. You know, and it's cool to be young. I didn't know much, but I, I, it's cool to be young. But I began to learn. But, but we need young men. I, I watch our church, and we have young men that God's raising up, and they've got new ways of thinking. They think a little bit differently than I do. They know more about technology. They know, know a little bit more about the culture and how to reach out to these people. So we need young men with vision, revelation from God to carry on the new vision that God wants to impart. But then we need old men to dream dreams. Yeah, I'm older, but I'm, I'm, I haven't done dreaming yet. No, we can still dream. You don't, your dreams don't die just because you get older. But here's what you have to do when you're older. You have to be willing to change. You, can't, you don't want to get stuck in the past, right? Some older people, you can get stuck in the past. And they think, well, they don't, they don't do that the way we used to do it. And the music's different than, than in my day. And the anointing doesn't feel the same. It was so good in, in my day. And, 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 and they don't preach the word like we did. And, well, you know what? Doctrine doesn't change. The basic doctrine of the church doesn't change. But there's always new ways to communicate it. And we can't get stuck to things that got to be, you know, my generation, because I was young, <laughs> we changed things. I brought, uh, at our church, I was a music minister at Church on the Move, and I was bringing in some of the younger songs and some of the hipper stuff. And I, was, I played in a rock and roll band when I was younger. And I remember we got a lot of flack about that. With my kids' music, it was a little more rocking than, uh, than maybe some of the kids' music from the past because that was who I was. And, and we got letters about that. People saying that rock and roll music is of the devil. You shouldn't be singing that stuff. But we were changing because the culture was changing. And, and God used us in, in TV for the time. And TV was different in that time. But TV was, was a cutting-edge method to reach people. And we were able to, to communicate the vision about the importance of reaching kids. Pastor Richard mentioned the Gospel Bill Show. That thing went all over the country. Back in the 80s and 90s, you could turn on Christian TV just about any time and see that show. It was amazing what God did with that thing. But that was for a time. I don't do that anymore. I'm not as cool a cowboy as I used to be. But I still have value. I have a scripture here that I memorized. I want to share it with you. If you're older, you need to know this. If you're younger, write it down for later. But here it is, Psalm 71, 17. Oh, God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, oh, God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. So young people need older people. Do you know that? See, older people, most of the time, we have, we've been around a while, and we do have some wisdom that we can help you with. Because of experience, right? Good and bad. Uh, 
And, and, and here's another reason young churches need older people. Older people have more money than you do. We've been around a while. <laughs> young people don't have money. They're raising kids and families. Uh, older people bring wisdom and experience. But we need young and old. Young people bring an understanding and energy to the work. And we need, to, we need all those gener- both those generations. But we also need sons and daughters. It mentions sons and daughters will prophesy. Wow. It's talking about kids, sons and daughters. Uh, verse 39 of Acts 2 says this. For this promise, what promise? The promise of children, uh, of the Holy Spirit being poured out, is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You know, so many people misunderstand and underestimate the importance of kids and what they can get spiritually. A lot of people think, well, they're just cute little kids and they can't know God very well. But, you know, did you know children can be saved when they're little? They need to be. Children can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Children can be trained in the Word of God, in the basics, if we'll do it the right way. As a church, we must make a place to train and teach children. This church does that. You have a school, and then you have classrooms for kids. That's a big deal. Because churches that don't do that, a friend of mine said they have a shelf life of about 30 years. Or in other words, you can have a church that is, is raised up by God, have excitement, great things happen there, but if you don't reach the next generation, you won't be around much over 30 years. Why? Because that generation is going to get old and begin to leave. We got to have the young people. The church should be full of every age group. Amen. I preach this message everywhere. So much of my life, I preached about kids' ministry in churches. I, I remember one church I went to one time not too long ago. It was a church of 2,000 people. The auditorium held 2,000 people, and it's full. But before church, I walked around the classrooms because I, I want to know what's going on, not just in the auditorium. I want to see the classrooms. And I walked by the nursery, the baby nursery. There was one little baby in that nursery, one. 2,000 people, one baby. If something, something doesn't radically change, that church won't be going much longer because the, the, the people in the congregation were getting older. You know, in our church, we really have a vision for reaching kids. That comes from me, but my son has that vision too. He was a children's pastor, worked in kids' ministry like his dad. And so his vision is we're going to have a great children's ministry. It's going to be exciting. We're going to teach kids the Word of God. Our church began in, uh, seven years ago. And our uh, Labor Day weekend's our anniversary. And uh, now the church is running about 800 to 900 people every weekend. We do three services. Over 40% of our congregation is under the age of, uh, of 12 years old. 40%. We have a lot of kids. We have kids everywhere. But you know what? There's a lot of life and energy in our church. Because kids bring energy and fun, and then kids also bring their parents with them. So here's the thing about kids. You can't just have a church with kids because you can't make it financially because kids don't have much money. They can't support it. But here's what you do. If you reach kids as a church, kids will bring their parents with them. And parents help support the vision of the church. That's God's way. So we need every age. I prophesy that in the end, every age group will be viable in the church. Churches that are fulfilling their purpose. That's what you need to look for. So that means, that means, remember, we're supposed to be service. That means we need people involved in all these areas, right? Everybody should be involved in the church. 
Nobody's just a church sitter. We need people working and doing things and serving. Everybody say serving. Oh, say it louder, serving. Everybody say this. I'm supposed to serve. I need to serve. I need to get after it. Praise God. Thank you for that confession. Doesn't that make you feel good? You know, we need people helping out in kids' ministry. We need people welcoming me. And I came in this morning and people greeted me and made me feel good. Made me feel like they wanted me here. I like that. All those things are important. Working in, everybody needs to work in the church. Hallelujah. But I want to just talk about some of the fruit of that first outpouring. Go to the end of the chapter. Let me just, I'm going to read this. And I'm going to conclude what I'm talking about with this, with this, with some statements about the fruit of that early day church. What was going on? Was it exciting? What was the, what was the mood? What was, the, what, what, was the, what was happening in the church? It says in verse 42 that the result of the Holy Spirit outpouring, says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. One of the, one of the, the, the hallmarks of the end-time church that's flowing with God is they will be people that love to go to church. There will be people hungry for the Word of God, right? How many love the Word of God? You know, the Word of God is so precious. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is, is what God's given you His Word for you to grab a hold of to get you through the things that you go through in life. The promises of God, all these promises are given to us so we can fulfill the purpose that we have in life. And these people love the Word of God. And they, I'll keep reading, and to fellowship and to share in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they love to pray. How many know prayer is an important part of the church? We need to pray. We, our church in Oklahoma City, <clears throat> we're kind of in a place right now where we're emphasizing prayer this year. And, and our pastor, my, my son Josh, he, he really has in his heart we need to be a praying church because he wants to see the power. When you pray, things begin to happen. We need to be a praying church. They were. Verse 43, a dim a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The power of God was moving. There were miracles. Everybody say miracles. Listen, Trudy and I came into this thing in 1971, and we were marked by a miracle early on. Trudy had a crossed eye from a, a fall she took when she was a little girl. Triggered a birth defect she had in her brain that caused her eye to cross. She woke up, she was three years old. She woke up after the fall, she had hit her chin, and that eye was crossed in. And it was tragic. And her mom and dad took her to the doctor, and they did cosmetic surgery several times as she was growing up. But they could not fix that eye that had crossed, and it messed up her vision too. Her vision was impaired. She had to wear real thick glasses. They would try to pull the eye back, but they couldn't, it wouldn't stay because her brain's telling her to cross. So there's nothing that can be done medically, right? So she grew up like that, and, and we have pictures of her, and you can tell. She tried to hide it, try to mask it, but you can see that one of her eyes wasn't quite right. But on her 18th birthday, this is so cool, the birth, this was her birthday present. <laughs> she was at a prayer meeting one night. I wasn't saved yet. I was back home. She went, went to a prayer meeting with just her family, and they're praying about things, and somebody said, Trudy, do you believe Jesus could heal your eyes tonight? And she just said, yeah, I do. So they said, okay, let's pray for you. Uh, we found a scripture that said these people didn't know a lot about the Bible or anything. Weren't a, weren't a church. Just a little bunch of praying people. Somebody says, I found a scripture that says you can pray for people and anoint them with oil and they'll be healed. Somebody says, what kind of oil do you use? I don't know. We got some Crisco in there. Let's get that. 
So they got Crisco, and they put a little Crisco on, and they prayed in Jesus' name. They went ahead and continued to pray about some other things. She tells a story that she's walking down the hall that night after they prayed, and her eyes are, are doing funny things. She took her glasses off. She looked in the mirror, and she said, my eye looks straight. I put, she said, I put my glasses on. I couldn't see. I took them off, and my eye, which had been crossed now for 14 years, had straightened out and was perfect. Her vision went 2020. It was a miracle. 1971, that happened. God did a miracle in 1971 that marked our life. God will do a miracle to mark people's lives in our time. We need to be looking for miracles. We need to be looking for miracles. Get your faith up for miracles. Hallelujah. Praise God. All the believers, verse 44, met together in one place and shared everything they had. This is amazing. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. There was a supernatural generosity that came on them because they began to care about other people more than themselves. It wasn't just about their needs. It was about helping other people. You know, we're supposed to be like that. God knows you need money. And he can take care of you with money. But we need to be concerned about others that need too, right? It's good preaching. I'm preaching good here. Somebody say, you're good, Pastor Ken. I love this. Amen. <laughs> Verse 46, they worshiped together. They loved to sing and worship God at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They loved to get together and eat. That's the second time it's talked about eating. One of the signs that you're flowing with God is you want to get around other people like you, Christians, and just eat. Eating's good. Some of the greatest memories we have about Pastor Richard and Nancy are places we've eaten. They, oh, when we moved to L.A., you know, we're just country folk. We're from Oklahoma. They began to take us to all these fancy restaurants, and oh, my goodness, and it just changed our lives. I mean, wow, because you have so many great places to eat out here, and we just love to eat. You know what we're going to do after we have this meeting? We're going to go eat. And we love to eat. It's a sign that God's moving. You didn't know that, did you? All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, they were experiencing joy with each other. Wow. The kind of joy that's not based on circumstances. There's a joy. Do you know joy is strength? Do you know you can have joy in the midst of your trouble today? Three people believe that. You can have joy in the midst of your trouble today. Joy is, listen, joy is happiness, but it's above happiness. Joy is something on the inside of you, and it's telling you everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. God's going to come through. He's going to take care of you. One time we were with some people. We were at Disneyland of all places. And we were with another couple. And we were just having a good time and laughing and telling funny stories. And we were telling stories like the kind you're, you're beating the table laughing. And we're sitting at a table. We, we were eating, of course. And, uh, and this guy from a Disneyland employee came up. And he's smiling. He said, man, you guys look like you're having a great time. We said, yeah, we are having a good time. He said, you know what? I came to work at Disneyland because I heard this was the happiest place on earth. And he said, you know what? My life has been so sad. I wanted happiness in my life. And we just went, dude, you can have Jesus. You can have happiness. You can have joy. 
See, people are looking for that. Are they seeing that on you? We're supposed to exhibit the joy of the Lord. People are supposed to look at you and go, oh, man, they're having such a good time. I need to get in on that. That's what church should be, right? Wow, this is good stuff. And look, and look at the result. Look at the result. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day people are getting saved. What? It wasn't just at a meeting. It was from people having all this going for them, and they're going out into life. And listen, you think, well, they didn't have any trouble. Are you kidding me? The persecution of the early church, you know how bad that was? People are getting killed for their faith. They're dying. They're laying down their life. And yet in the middle of that, this is happening. They put Jesus number one, and they were too excited about him to let those things get them down. Because, listen, they're going to heaven anyway. It's worth it. Hallelujah. The bottom line is when the world witnesses us people acting like this, they'll want to know our Jesus. Back in the 70s, Trudy and I were in a little church out in West Texas, and we just were so excited about God and Wanted to fulfill our purpose, you know, and it felt like we were called into ministry, but we didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to preach then. Didn't know anything. We're just at the church growing, and there was another couple that came in, and they were a lot like us. They were on fire. And so they'd come over to our house, and, and we'd drink coffee, and we'd pray together. We'd just get together and pray. And, and a few times, we'd get together and pray with the four of us, two couples, and we'd pray and ask God to lead us because me and the man would go out in the, the town just to witness to people. I mean, we'd just get in the car and say, Lord, lead us to somebody that needs you. But first of all, we prayed and asked God to lead us. You know, it's important to be led by the Spirit. You, you drive around L.A., you see needs everywhere. You see homeless people. You see beggars. We have that in Oklahoma City at intersections. And here's what. The, the deal, you can't meet every need out there. But you want God to lead you to the ones that he will open the hearts of. That's the way this works. To be led by the Spirit is the one that's a true son of God. So anyway, we'd, pray, we'd ask God to lead us. And then we'd get, me and this guy, his name was Rusty Gray. He's a pastor now out there. We'd get in the car and we'd take off driving around and we'd just praying, we'd be praying in the spirit. We'd say, Lord, where do you want us to go? Well, one particular night, it was a Saturday night in Plainview, Texas. We drove by the roller ring. No, not the, the yeah, the skating ring, roller ring, the skating ring. And there was a guy with his car turned around backwards and the trunk was opened up. This was probably about 1980 or 81, something like that. And the trunk was up and he's just blasting music, real loud rock music, you know, like Van Halen or something like that. Just buying his, and so we said, let's talk to this guy. This one guy was out in the parking lot, just sitting by, his, just kind of standing by his car, you know, and just being cool. And uh, so we, we got out of our car, and we go over, and, and he's so, it's so loud. You got to scream. How you doing, man? And he's running, you know. We said, hey, man, you ever thought about God? And he kind of looks at us. You ever thought about Jesus and going to heaven? And he just looks at us. He doesn't say anything. We said, okay, you know what? He lo Jesus loves you, and can we pray with you about anything? He just stood there just looking at us. He didn't shake his head no. So we just walked over and laid our hands on him. We said, Lord, bless this guy. I had to scream it. Lord, bless this guy. Jesus' name. Help him, Lord, whatever he needs. Lord, we pray for his healing. We pray for his health. Pray for his whatever. Just bless him. I don't know what we prayed. But then we got in the car and left. Well, probably, 
I don't know, maybe a year later, Trudy and I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, began working in full-time ministry. I get a call from Rusty Gray one day. It's been a year later. He said, listen, you remember when we went out witnessing that night at the skating rink and da-da-da? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, remember that guy that had the stereo blasting? And, and, and yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. He said, well, that guy showed up at church this week. And he said, he said, he walked up to me, and he said, do you remember me? And he said, he was smiling. And I said, no. He said, you talked to me about Jesus. And, and he says, oh, you're the guy? He said, yes. And he said, you prayed for me for my healing. He said, Rusty said, we did? He said, yes. The reason my, my, my stereo was so loud in the car is I was nearly deaf, and I had to turn it up. And that night after you left, my healing, my, my, my ears popped, and I can hear perfectly now. And I accepted Jesus, and he's my Lord now. That guy didn't even respond to us that night. But the Lord led us to that guy, and look what he did. I mean, that wasn't us. That was God. I believe God wants to do some amazing things. You believe that? Grassroots things. You know, all these things I, I read about. I'm going to close right here. You ready to close? All these things I read about are signs of first love of a first love. These are all signs that people were just excited because they loved Jesus and they loved to get together and talk about him and eat and, and stir themselves up. And it was just basic Christianity, one-on-one, putting Jesus number one. First love is so important. Remember first love? Anybody remember first love? I mean, like with Trudy, first love. I mean, Trudy, I... I met my wife when she was 12, and I was 14. We were little. We were young. And so I, th I thought, she's the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And so she's only 12, but I asked her to be my girlfriend. So she's my girlfriend for a while. And then we broke up. We, we, we broke up. And, that, and I broke up. I was the one that did it that time. But then we got back together because, really, I, she's just something about her. And I just couldn't get away from her. But this time she broke up with me. It's like women try to get back at you, I think. Anybody know him? She did. I, it, it just broke my heart. I mean, just broke. And I would see her. I remember going to basketball games, and I'd see her. And it's first love. And it's just like I couldn't think of anything else. It's just that she's so pretty, and, so, and I like her, and she doesn't want me anymore. And that made it worse. And, oh, Lord, change her. Smite her, Lord. Bring her back. Help me. It's love. You're just infatuated, right? You know, that's the way it was when I got saved. Were you that way? Just like, Lord, wow, I, you saved me? I, Lord, I'm, I'm an idiot. I know nothing. How could you do this? And then I'd read the Bible about what he'd done for me. And I'd think, Lord, you made me right. You took my sin. I, I, I can be right with you. You want to talk to me. You want to walk with me. You know what happens to people a lot of the time? They get away from that first love. In the book of Revelation, the, Jesus appears to John, right? And he begins to tell John, John he's going to tell John about what's going to happen in the end. A lot of the signs, we're on the edge of, of a lot of those things happening right now. And of, of, we're on the edge, somebody said it this way, I think it's true, we're on the edge of the tribulation. Now, I believe the church, we're getting, we're getting out of here. We won't go through the tribulation. 
You say, I don't believe that, Pastor Ken. Well, don't say, you shouldn't say that because you don't want to go through the tribulation. If you say that, you may stay. Don't stay. Just believe in it. (laughs) I don't have time to preach on that. But Jesus told John to talk to the churches of the day. There's seven of them, book of Revelation. And there were different things about these churches that he commended, and then he would correct them on some things. And the church of Ephesus, they were commended because they worked hard, They stood up against evil. They didn't put up with false apostles. They persevered. They had patience. They labored. They're doing a lot of good things. But then Jesus said, I I got this one thing against you. You left your first love. He said, go back and repent and do it all over again. Because he's right there. Jesus is right there. In other words, just tell him, I'm sorry, Lord. I want you to be number one in my life. He's number one because he will never do you wrong He is wonderful. He's awesome. He wants to lead you more than you can imagine. Sometimes we get so caught up in our trouble and and the things we're going through that we forget that. You know, when I met the Lord, it was so beautiful. I I was running from God. Trudy was praying for me. I didn't even realize she was praying for me, but she was. She's real sneaky the way she'd pray for me. She'd pray for me when I was asleep at night. That's a, that's, a, that's a mean thing to do when somebody's running from God because it opened up the door because of your marriage covenant. You know when you pray for your marriage partner, that, that's the most powerful prayer you can pray because you're in covenant. God hears your prayers for each other in your marriage. You need to pray for each other. And, uh, and it unleashed God to go to work on me. And one day I'm driving to the liquor store Drive, you know Jesus loves people that drive to the liquor store? Because he told me his presence entered the car. I don't know the presence of God from nothing. But his, I know his presence came in my car. And I heard him say, it was, nearly, it was nearly audible to me. It wasn't. But I heard it so strong. And I heard Jesus say, I love you. And he loved me just like I was. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Didn't say he loved the world. said he so loved the world. And I heard him say, I love you. And then he said, second thing, I want to help you. And then the third thing, why don't you ask me to help you? Because here's the way God does. He loves the whole world. He wants to help everybody. He wants to help you today. Wherever you are, he wants to help you. But you, he said, why don't you ask me? You have to ask him. The scripture says, God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that whosoever believes in him, you got to believe. And if you believe, you'll ask. He said, why don't you ask? I didn't ask him that day. But a couple of weeks later, I did. And when I did, he did. And everything changed. And that's the first love. That's the first love. We need our first love. Praise God. I sense his presence right now. Do you? Close your eyes for a minute. Let's just be still for a minute. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for what you want to do in the end times in which we live. Lord, thank you for the, we've gone through things, all of us, got hurt, got disappointed. That tries to get us to back up on you. Lord, May we focus right now. I know you're talking to your people. May people sense your love. May the purposes of God begin to be rekindled for us as individuals, 
for us as a church. Is there anybody in here this morning say, Pastor Ken, you know, two things. You know, I, I've never received Jesus. I, I'm like you were back then. I, I, I never received him, but God loves you. If you will, he wants, if you'll ask, he'll come into your life today. Is there anybody like this say, I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart? Raise your hand up as I look around the room. Anybody say, I, I need to get saved, Pastor Ken. That's me. That's me. Anybody? I'm looking around. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Second thing is anybody who say, I want to get back to my first love. I want to repent. I want to, I need a brand new beginning. You know, every day begins anew. His mercies are new every morning. And you can begin again today. Say, would you pray for me, Pastor Ken? I, I, want, I want to come back to God. I want to be like it was. Raise your hand up. Raise your, let me see you. Let me see your hand right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you today. I want everybody to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your love for me. I love you, Lord. I repent of my sin. And I come back to you today. Lord, I want to fulfill your purpose. I want to obey your voice. Thank you, Lord, for working your work in me, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Can we just wait a minute? Just wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Mm. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I believe the Lord told me He wants to heal some people today, physically. Physical healing. Yeah. Yeah. If you need physical healing of any kind, and listen, now listen real good, and you believe Jesus is going to touch you this morning. If you believe that, come down here. We're going to pray for you right now in Jesus' name. Physical healing. You believe Jesus will heal you. You're going to look to Him. You're not going to look to, to me or any leader, but you're believing Jesus is going to touch you this morning in Jesus' name. Wow, look at this. Physical healing. Physical healing. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, Lord, you see all these people. And Lord, we just remind you of what you did before the cross. You took that horrible beating. And you did that for a great purpose. You did that because it says in 1 Peter 2, 24, that with the stripes that Jesus took, the marks on his body, the blood that was shed on those with those stripes of that whip, we were healed. So Lord, today we've come to you. All these people have come looking for physical healing. 
And we ask you to move right now. And we ask you to touch them. Begin by the anointing, touching people right now. By faith in Jesus' name, we declare you're touching people right now. Touching them. Healing them. Thank you for strength coming to bodies. Thank you for congestion leaving. Thank you for uh, rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. Who's got a rotator cuff? Lift your hand up. See that. Receive that. That's anointing for your rotator cuff. Receive it. Thank you, Lord, for knee knee uh, injuries. Who's had knee injuries? Yes. Receive your healing right now. That's right. Thank you, Lord, for touching him. Thank you, Lord, for uh, respiratory problems. Who has respiratory issues? Yes. 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 Thank you, Lord, for healing respiratory problems in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you for this faithful man. Lord, I praise you. I praise you for working in his body. Miraculous, the miracles of God. The, the miracles of God. We speak miracles. We speak anointing flowing. You can feel it right now. Receive that. Lift your hands up and receive it right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive it. We receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I want everybody up here. In fact, everybody say this in the whole room. Say, I believe. I receive my healing right now. It's mine according to the Word of God. And by His stripes, I am healed. I'm healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may, you, you may go back. Praise God. Praise God. Now, here's what you do. If you still feel some pain, and some of you are thinking, well, I still feel a little pain. Don't be moved by that. The pain's got to go. Pain's got to go, right? It's got to go in Jesus' name. It's got to go. Make your mind up. You make your mind up. That's yours. Make your mind up. That's yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the way it works. It's the way it works. It's the way it works. I'm just thinking about, I'm going to close right here, but I'm just thinking about new harvest. And there's a new harvest coming. There's a new harvest. New harvest. You got anything? worshiping God um, it's for pastor and Nancy as we were worshiping God um, and I hope this means something to the, the two of you but I saw a glass and it was full and then it got turned and some stuff was poured out of it and it came back up and then it's only half full but then I saw the Spirit of God and he came over and he said that's okay because I'm going to refill the cup till it's overflowing. We're going to refill the cup. Amen. 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 Well, Lord, we thank you. Thank you. And those of you that are 
just received your healing and you did if you believe um when my eyes were healed that night uh i didn't even feel anything i didn't know anything happened i'm just going about my business because there were other people getting prayed for and uh i was going to go pray for other people and the next thing i know an hour later that's when i looked in the mirror and my eyes were healed that's been 52 years ago 52 years 51 sorry 51 so what i want you to know is also you know the 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 word plants a seed in your heart and it grows and sometimes it'll grow real fast sometimes it doesn't but it doesn't matter as long as you receive it and you water it a cure began today because god's word is true and then i also want to admonish those of you in the church that pray uh pray for the Pray, when you think about it this week, pray for the ones that received healing today. And just begin to, to pray over them and just help them bear their burden. There's a scripture in the, uh, the about a word in the scriptures that says to bear one another's burden. And what that word means is you put a, have you ever had a little uh, garden and there was a little plant, like a tomato plant, it starts growing, but it, it can't hold itself up because it's getting heavy. So you go to the hardware store and you buy a little stake and you put that stake in the ground and you tie that little uh, plant to the stake and the stake holds it up and keeps it strong until it gets its strength. So when you're praying, see what we want to do, bearing somebody's burden doesn't mean you just put up with them. It means you tie themselves to them and strengthen them until they get their strength back. So I admonish you intercessors and you prayers. Pray, pray over this service today. Pray over what was spoken today. Pray over the healings. Pray over everything that was said because I don't know if you got it. It was a very prophetic message today for this church, for the body, but for this church. So what a great, wasn't it a great day? Just all glory to God. All glory to God. I encourage you to, we brought a few of our products. We got our book, Devil Proof Your Family. You know, family is the core of everything you do. And uh, I see it, the devil hates families now in our church, in the, any church, any, in the world. He's trying to destroy the family from the very heart of what God created it to be. Because if we don't have families, if, if we don't have marriages serving God, raising kids that are serving God, we don't have a church. So you got to go over things about principles. This book will really help you. It's about raising kids and being married. There are prayers in the back that uh, Trudy wrote to pray over us, my family, and our kids. And uh, I think one is $12, but you get two for 20. Why would I want two, Pastor Ken? So you give one away to somebody. It's a good way to witness to somebody. Say, hey, because everybody has trouble with their family. I mean, it's just a fact. Hey, this will bless your family, give them this. So we love you guys. It's so good to see you again. It's been five years since we've been here. Thank you for allowing us to come back, Pastor Richard.